Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence, with urgent assist by CPS Protect. You can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL for 10% off your first year of urgent assist. And this is available in all 50 states. I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away approximately five months ago. He is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just trusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back to Italy, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State at 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518 518- 474-8390 to please keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. I have a lot of guests on. I'm happy to have Lisa Goodpastor on. I have Mark Ludwig on. I've got Joe Gormley on here as well as Dean Tong. And we're going to talk about Parental Alienation Day. And we're going to have a discussion of what really is parental alienation. Who wants to go first? (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave the definitions up to somebody else. Who wants to define it? I guess I could do that. All right. So if we're looking at the definition of parental alienation, it's emotional, mental, or psychological child abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, when uh, one parent uh, or guardian will disparage or denigrate or vilify the other parent, uh, and in front of the child, Dr. Richard Gardner, my associate from uh, 40 years ago in 83, when he first developed and created this theory, uh, I spoke with him at conferences in the D.C. area, uh, basically said that this is parental syndrome when the parent denigrates the other parent in front of the child. So the child is a proxy witness to that emotional, mental, psychological child abuse. The problem is, as a guy who testifies in court in these cases across America, uh, as an expert, judges don't like syndrome evidence. So whether you're accused of battered uh, women's syndrome, Munchausen syndrome by proxy, or parental alienation syndrome, they don't like it. So you want to cut off the word syndrome, uh, you know, f- from this uh, theory. And you've got two, uh, two hurdles, uh, in, in, you know, with this science. So I just testified by Zoom in a criminal case about a month ago. The judge says, you know, Mr. Tong, I... I don't give much credence to parental alienation. So I, you know, there's no time to think when you're under oath, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, judge, well, I agree with you in part. Uh, you know, it's not published in the DSM 5 TR, it's not published in the ICD 10 or 11. We're in the 11 now. Uh, however, it is in there in subtypes. We have child affected by parental relationship distress, we have estrangement, we have child psychological abuse. We have parent-child relational disorder. But I think what's more impressive, Your Honor, is 
the fact that it is recognized by the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's recognized by the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, uh, ACAP.org. And beyond that, there was an article that came out last year. Dr. Jennifer Harmon uh, brought this to my attention because she was a co-author uh, of the same uh, in developmental psychology, where 213 peer-reviewed articles on this topic uh, basically came together in concert, published in this one journal uh, in, in 2022. So the judge said, I'm satisfied. He's an expert. And that was the part of the voir dire, which all experts have to go through, which is a critique of your credentials and qualifications. Um, you know, when, when you're going to testify in an area of science, social science, uh, behavioral science, mental health or psychology uh, in the fields that I work in. But so, you know, this is a uh, issue, obviously, that so so there's there's the legal admissibility part, uh, Marianne, and then you have the effect on the child, because, of course, the law in all 50 states is the child's best interest. So how does this alienation, how does this mental abuse negatively affect the child? Well, how are you going to prove that? Not easily if you don't have the counseling records or medical records of the, of the child. Sure, you got the text messages, the emails, the posts on social media, the parenting app messages. That gives you proof the other parent is not fostering a nurturing relationship with you, the other parent, actually just the opposite, and, and bad-mouthing you in front of the kid. But where are the negative effects on that kid? Okay, That's very important. Very, very important. You have to be able to articulate the inimical effects, the deleterious effects on the child. Is the child having psychosomatic issues, stomach aches, headaches, nausea, vomiting? Is the child depressed, anxiety? Uh, you know, is the child having nightmares, flashbacks, panic attacks, anxiety attacks? Has he had a, uh, or she has had to see a psychiatrist, maybe prescribed a, a pediatric antidepressant? It's gotten that bad. Or, of course, the older kids, the teeny boppers, as I call them, uh, will develop suicidal ideations or self-mutilation. Uh, the trauma gets that bad. Uh, you know, so you have to get the medical records, the counseling records. Uh, as a guy who does this in all 50 states, I can tell you uh, that is uh, an Achilles heel in and of itself, trying to get the lawyer to get me the records uh, just to see what I'm fighting against for the client. So it, it's a situation where you have to work in symbiosis, where, you know, you help the attorney and the attorney feeds you the information you need and then protects you later on while you're under oath on the stand. That's basically uh, in a nutshell. Of course, now we have the uh, five factor model. Mm -hmm. Okay, You probably have heard of that. I just worked the case with Dr. Bill Burnett. Um, yeah. we, we won the case for a client in Tennessee, uh, his home state back in December, four months ago. Uh, Dr. Burnett published this theory uh, back in December. Um, the five-factor model, basically, basically that first factor says the child is resisting, uh, disconnecting, and now rejecting the targeted parent. So the kid is, is basically 100% enmeshed to the alienator and has totally rejected the targeted parent. I don't want to communicate with that person. I don't want to see that person. That's factor number one. Factor number two is the targeted parent can show the court um, and everybody else in the courtroom that, you know, he has uh, audio, video, uh, photographs that at one time uh, that father had a great relationship with that kid. He can prove it. That's factor two. Factor three are the false or unsubstantiated abuse allegations. That could be domestic violence. That could be child sexual abuse, could be child physical abuse. 
uh, or anything else. It could be failure to protect, uh, whatever. <clears throat> Factor four are the, uh, the signs and symptoms uh, and behaviors of the child are consistent with that of an alienated child. And then factor five, the uh, same thing with the alienated, the signs, symptoms, and behaviors of the alienated, alienated parent. The alienated behaviors, as Dr. Burnett puts it, uh, is consistent with that person. So you, you get all that, and um, uh, Dr. Burnett testified in our case as an expert. Uh, obviously, the court uh, uh, liked his testimony and approved it, and my client received equity of law in court, which is the whole name of the game. Mm -hmm. yeah well that's a good definition dean yeah yeah that, that was, i'm glad i didn't do that, that i was, was just yeah. thinking the same thing jokes <laughs> that was horrible that was so spot on if you could roll back the tape you could probably see every time he, he said something that was true i could feel my body like flinch like yeah to reject it why don't you could probably look back and see, but I, I do want to give you the child who grew up to prove it. I'm the first child adult now, but right. Sometimes with all the parents, I feel like, <laughs> but I will tell you being an expert is all I know parental alienation. And I say that confidence, but a whole lot of pain. And Dr. Burnett is, will actually get a letter tonight because my book 100% proves it. It mm. annihilates every parent that I have been trying to talk to, to reach out to. Uh, I had some bad marketing people that are no longer with me. Mm -hmm. And my publisher is Simon and & Schuster. And I'm going to have Dr. Burnett read it and sign it off. There are other doctors on there that have written, this is 100% real. And I've been trying to speak my truth as loud as I can but I'm also been healing at the same time. So even being in the space team, when you were going like, oh, they will do this and this, you'd see, I was like, oh, because yeah. part of me is I want to deny it, right? Because when we look at our kids and when you look at your kids' parental alienation from the way that I lived it is in how I describe it, how kids respond to it, which is crucial here. Parental alienation, where kids are not born with it. It happens to kids by their parent or parents sometimes, or a step parent. Mm -hmm. And it is 100% preventable. The biggest issue is, is time. There is very little time to catch it, and you can't really reverse it. So divorce is the marker. It, it is true. Dr. Burnett is probably the only real expert that I agree with. He is kind. He is nice. He is, there's something special about him. And so it's like, he, he has read part of my script that was downloaded into my brain. That's why my book is called Alienated When Parents Won't Parent, mm -hmm. because I'm trying to get to the other side of the world because you don't, the parent in me, you don't want any, you don't want to live like this. Thank God I know what it is because once you know what you're struggling with, when this happens to you as a child, then you're able to kind of go in and fix it. When you can't, it's a living nightmare. It's a death. So parental alienation is preventable, but it is definitely, um, it has, 
it's a it's a time. It it, it takes your time. It takes your time. It'll take your future. So it's this is really important. It's interesting you say it's preventable. Are are, are people arguing that um, it doesn't exist? You said you're proving it in your book. Well, it is proof because what happened to me is unprecedented. Um, I'm the first child ever in the entire world. They looked at the World Health Organization from um, Australia to Ireland. No kid, because you can't even get kids to admit that they've been alienated. I grew up to prove it because my alienator left the script behind and I remembered. And that script is exactly what um, alienators do and say to erase a parent, it's sick. But it's uh, it's uh, very, um, it really shows just how bad and how how it happens. And then I also talk about alienating patterns, my own patterns, um, everything. There's a little <laughs> bit of everything for everyone. It's a hard read. Ginger Gentile has read it, has uh, written a blurb for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm so glad that Marianne has brought me on because when I feel really comfortable around people then I can open up more, but it's, it's, you know, not easy to be like the real first kid to grow up and prove this because half the time people have to believe in all the negative. And I'm not saying that I don't suffer and I, I still don't. I just know what it's about now and I can control my own nervous system. But when you don't know what it is, and that's mm -hmm. the problem is that they've been normalizing divorce and mm -hmm. having step parents and they've been normalizing, taking away our dads, you know, just uh, minimizing our mothers. We are erasing our families to the point where we have the most alienated and estranged kids ever. Mm -hmm. And the way the court system is, they are annihilating our parents to the point where even if they do uh, restore a relationship, there's so much has been lost financially just for you've got parents living in their cars yeah i have a i have a son he's 30 we're like this he was not alienated people don't want to believe that i was alienated i'm like hey, i didn't want to believe it either but you know it happened i'm glad you said the normalization of divorce mm -hmm. is really the driving factor yes. for the growth of this uh you know it I, and I think someone, I think you might've said that you think that it can be cured as well. I think the only cure is to end divorce. I, I don't see any cure for what really is a sin issue, right? What right. is happening to these children is they're being sinned against. And one of the parents is being sinned against as well. And, you know, I'm certainly, I, I was told that I was invited to bring a Christian perspective to this conversation and and i don't see any solutions outside of christ in this and and uh that's just the bottom line until we have a marriage marriages for different people where they get to express their own religious views including the way they divorce god's not opposed to divorce sometimes divorce has to happen he, he's not a fan but he but he has a methodology for when it should happen when it's proper to happen and until each religious group has their has the freedom to marry and divorce in their own categories, uh, we're not going to have examples of how not to alienate kids. Well, I mean, in in my case, or at least in my experience as a parent that who went through a divorce, 
my son was not alienated from his dad or myself. We were both kids from divorce who grew up knowing what that felt like emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't put that on our kids. So when parents do co-parent, because even in a marriage, you still have to co-parent. So I think if parents understood, like I knew when I was raising my son, like I read the book, what to expect when you're expecting, but I didn't understand about how the brain and the body and, and the child, you know, all of that work together. So I think parents who are insistent on getting a divorce for sometimes there are valid reasons. They should walk out of that courtroom hand in hand, knowing, okay, we're divorced, but our child's foundation is not negotiable. Meaning that kid will be mm-hmm. better off without parents fighting, but still be able to be mom and dad without any interference. And that is on both of the parents. At the end of the day, it is free will. We all become parents when we're meant to come, when we're meant to. Right, you chose to have a child with that partner, and now you're going to demand to tear apart the children that you had with that partner, which is ridiculous. And I believe that uh, if we were if if we were to allow Christians and Jews and Muslims all to have their own marriages uh, under their own religious traditions in a, in the in the Christian and in the Jewish uh, religions, if it were they were faithful to Scripture, the person abandoning the marriage would have no property and would have no access to the children. So you either stick in there together commit to your vows but if you if you commit adultery or if you uh, uh abandon the home i mean unfortunately yeah i mean i back you up i uh, honest <laughs> to god i mean yeah i wish my son i wish i wasn't divorced and i was part of that i normalized it too i had to i was like well it happened to me it happened it, it, and that's what we do we try to normalize it and then sometimes in that scenario the only people. person being alienated would be the person alienating themselves Right. And that, and a lot of parents do that too. Some kids do that too. Some people do that too, but this is significant. This is purposely done to hurt the parent and the child. Yeah. And this is a different type. It's, it's not like a, this is specific to these high conflict, messy, angry divorces. And that's when the kid, they have no idea what they are doing to their children. I think another aspect that that I deal with that I was surprised until it happens to you, you don't realize how common it it is. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let's see. Uh, That's a true yeah, true statement. Is going to a uh, hearing tomorrow too. I thought it was normal, um, but uh, um, but yeah, one one thing that I've I've noticed since it happened to me is how generational it is, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in, in my own situation, uh, my son's mom never met her, her dad, her biological dad. And, uh, she met him when she was in her thirties, found out that, uh, the person she thought was her dad wasn't really her dad mm-hmm. and, uh, tracked him down. And, and I don't know if he really was the, you know, knew about her or not claimed that he never knew about her, which I, I think probably may have been true. And, uh, so imagine somebody showing up at your doorstep with the wife that you've been married to for 20 something years saying, Hey, 31 years ago, you had a kid that you didn't even know about. Uh, that's not the way to uh, to try it. <laughs> and, uh, so immediately they were on the defensive. And obviously the wife is, is like, this lady's a scam artist. 
you know, she didn't call. She didn't write. She shows up at her door set demanding that you're the dad without any proof. And uh, so she got pushed away. And uh, I've talked to several counselors that I'm the third guy that mine has done this to. She's alienated five kids by two other fathers before me. And I didn't recognize the patterns. I had never heard of projection, gaslighting, anything. And until all of a sudden it was like the wow factor. But I've been to several counselors and they've all said the same thing. Mark, she is trying to get back at her dad because she felt helpless. And she man. wanted she wants the power back to say, yes, I'm now in control of a man who has a kid. That's and so I am now that man. So what she's trying to do, she's trying to get back at her dad by yeah. me yeah. and doing everything she can to ruin my relationship because she's got she hasn't been diagnosed as a narcissist or anything, but the love bombing, the gaslighting, the deflection, the projection, everything I read about that, she follows the pattern. And I truly believe she's incapable of love. I, I think in her mind, even her own kids are a resource to yes, be used. Yeah. And I've seen that with her other kids uh, where I, I, sadly, I didn't recognize it at the time. I can still remember to this day, we had only been dating not even a month and her kids wanted to, to go out one night. And she wanted me to make the decision on whether her kids went out and then me to meet with the the kids to tell them whether they could go out or not. And she was such a good manipulator that it was the love bombing phase that, wow, I'm just such a great guy because I've heard all this trash about father number two, not realizing yet that it probably wasn't true. I bought into it hook, line and sinker. And uh, she was so good that I actually did not realizing I was helping to alienate those kids from father number two by becoming the replacement father. Mm -hmm. She, what she was doing was she was trying to get those kids to look at me as the dad now instead of their own dad. And that I was the one who was going to make decisions. So they didn't need to check with their dad anymore. They needed to check with me. And I didn't realize that until it's too late. I, I still remember that uh, we had gone to a, a marriage counselor at one time and, and she didn't show up. It was just me that showed up. And uh, the counselor said, you know, Mark, how does she, how does she treat fathers number one and two? And I said, well, you know, not really well. She says, do you understand that there may possibly be a pattern here that you're heading right into yourself? And I still remember that. I mean, that was the night that or the day that it really hit me. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm walking into right, right now for the next 18 years. Mark, were, but, you, uh, were your parents married? Your yeah, my, I, there had never been anybody in my family that had ever had a divorce. I knew it. I knew it. And, as a matter of fact, I'm the outcast now. Somebody may be familiar. No, um, this is, I, this is very... I haven't seen my sister in years. Don't know that I will. Um, I'm the outcast because I oh. had a child that we weren't married. And uh, I was immediately outcast uh, mm. and uninvited to all the uh, family events. And they would know they would intentionally schedule like Easter and dinners like that, mm -hmm. I, my exchange time was two o'clock. They would schedule them at mm -hmm. one o'clock. Right, the whole day. And yeah. I'm like, okay, for years, I rescheduled my life around your kids. I'm the one with the child now. And, uh, wow. but I, I've been very, very fortunate. Levi has turned out just great for what he's been through. Um, he doesn't even realize what he's been through. After all the <laughs> reading I've done, now I realize... <laughs> All the stuff, the, re the replacement data is that what I care is every guy that she dated, and there were a bunch of them, one is back in prison. He was He's the largest bank felon or one of the largest bank felon cr uh, criminals in history. Uh, he got indicted for nine counts of 10 million or more, which is the highest count of bank fraud. 
I'm never so, dating again. It was somewhere over 10 million. He got indicted for nine counts of that. That's who she almost got married to before the guys that she just married. And he was, I had been trying to get Levi on a cross country team for years and she wouldn't let me. And I guess his school allows cross country from, from first grade. And I, any of these decisions I could never make. And then all of a sudden she puts him on the cross country team. And I asked Levi, how'd you convince your mom? Oh, Mr. Sean said that I needed to be doing that. And so I thought his own biological father can't make decisions for him. And yet a guy who's serving just got out of prison and now he's back in prison already again. He was the one making decisions. So she was using the replacement dad, but all the, the typical things of not answering phones, gatekeeping on phone calls. I can always tell when I see his eyes go like this, I know, okay, somebody's <laughs> watching and monitoring his phone calls, which happens all the time. The unanswered phone calls, if she calls here and I don't answer within five minutes, I'm getting bombed with phone calls. Is and yet I, I keep a log. You'd be surprised how many times I've gone 48 hours without a return call. Mm-hmm. You didn't read my book, Mark, 2002, Elusive Innocence, whole chapter in the parental alienation. Her, her whole intent is a lot of these women, no disrespect to the women, but you know, usually the woman who's behind this fact, uh, she did a fatherectomy. It's called a yeah. fatherectomy. It's, it's in chapter 14 of my book, man, published over 20 years ago, 2002. So, you know. Yeah, that, that's the, the whole goal. So. So what I've been working on, my expertise isn't really parental alienation. My expertise is I come from a, a legislative background. I've been active in politics I, for 40 years. I know what you do. I know what you do. Uh, but look, we're, we're missing the whole point here. And the point is court. Court. Okay, Lisa, Mark, you know, Joe, you talk about religion. The whole point is divorce goes to court. Okay, custody goes to court. Abuse allegations go to court. What does that mean? That means a judge who's a trier and finder of fact is going to rule on that situation. Okay. It's going to be lawyers involved. Court may appoint a guardian ad litem, attorney ad litem for the kid. In California, that's called minors counsel. In New Jersey and New York, that's called law guardian. Okay. And then the court may appoint what's called a parenting coordinator, which is usually a PhD who's experienced uh, and maybe published in practical nation, like Dr. Matthew Sullivan. I belong to the American Association of Family Conciliation Courts, have for a long time. Uh, we're, you know, that organization is very active in trying to remedy this problem, uh, remedy parental alienation. I, I, I agree with Lisa in part that you know, it, it's hard to fix. I wouldn't say it's not fixable or it can't be cured. There is a therapy out there called schema therapy, S-C-H-E-M-A. S-C-H-E-M-A. There's a, there's a Wikipedia page on that. Schema therapy. So what am I talking about? All right. So we have a disorder, F24 in the ICD-1011. That is sheer delusional disorder, where the parents' delusions or false beliefs can project onto the kid. Now the kid is sharing those same false beliefs with that helicopter alienating parent. Okay. So until you change the belief system, reunification therapy is not going to work. That's a hoax, okay? It's a concept that judges have bought into and order all the time, okay? But it's not going to work until you fix the belief system. 
So how are you fixing the belief system? What are you talking about? I, I know how, how, I can tell about? you exactly how I fit, how it was fixed and it's been being fixed and there's a place out there that's been doing it already. That's already harbored back. And it's where I went. Um, and it, I did sort of had to change my belief system, but here's the thing. I actually had the script that was used. So I knew it was lies. I couldn't prove it because I was a kid. So it is a change of false beliefs. Absolutely. It was a program that I had to go through for seven days, but it wouldn't have worked as a kid. It only Dean, I think Dean was talking about the parents' delusions. I think I, I heard oh, you the say parents', parents delusions? delusions. Okay. Well, Got yeah. it. Okay. I'm sorry about that. So, uh, there might be enough there to file what's called a motion for IME. Uh, which is a motion for independent medical or psychiatric examination of the alienating parent. But a lawyer is required by law to lay what's called legal foundation for the court to grant that pleading. So you can't just file a motion and I want a psych eval on the alienating parent. Oh, I have $10,000 so I can pay the shrink the money. No problem. No, it doesn't work that way. The lawyer has to lay foundation predicate. That includes statutory law, case law, and foundational facts or alleged facts, all right? So you might have, like I said earlier, text messages. Uh, you might have parenting app messages from OFW, Talking Parents, App Close, where one parent is berating you, uh, vilifying you, you're a jerk, you're no good, you're a loser, you know, whatever. Uh, so you're, you're laying foundation for the lawyer now to be able to file this pleading on the bad guy, you're paying the... the you're painting the picture of the bad guy, which is the alienator, and to get this person into correct therapy. Most therapists don't even know what schema therapy is. This is no disrespect to therapists, okay? But they don't. Uh, they usually which, use they usually use CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which there are two types: abuse focused or trauma focused, uh, or EMDR, which is the newer one. That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Those are for trauma. This is to fix the belief system. So a schema is an enzyme, a protein, or chemical that, that has modified or altered your memory. We're talking about memory here. I get cases, allegations. I'm sure you guys followed Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, all the big celebrities that were accused of ch child sexual assault, went down in prison, dead, uh, what have you. So we're, we're talking about memory, accusations of child sex abuse from decades ago. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about Dr. Christine Blasey Ford against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh from 2017 on national TV. We're talking about she's accusing him of abuse from 30 years ago. We're talking about human memory. We're talking about memory. So how do you fix that? You get rid well, of hashtag me too. That's how you get rid of that. Dean, here's the problem. I love what you're saying. And if I'm back at the beginning of my process and my divorce case and I know about you, I, I'm hiring you. Yeah, uh, you are fantastic. You know what you're talking about. However, I got 30 cases on my plate, man. I'm, I'm super busy. I know. Well, I don't have a case to give you. Thank God. I'm not here to get cases. I'm, I'm here to try to educate people and help. I know. know but but here's the problem. Here's the problem. None of the, the, the percentage of time that you're going to achieve what you're talking about is so infinitesimally small. And I, I agree that you're what you're saying, I, if I'm hearing you right, is we need more exposure to people need to you know, they need to know that uh, we, there, there are these problems and they're, they're real. But all your solutions are based on psychological, subjective uh, no, opinions. No, no, and you're going no, into a court where there's no. one. 
no, the dictator all, who gets to say all, what happens. No, they're I'm not sorry? objective, Joe. They're all empirically uh, validated. Which we're talking about statistical clinical significance. We're Cognitive therapy is not no, statistically. Not therapy solid. didn't work for me. It didn't work for me. Cognitive I, therapy didn't work. These are all these are all empirically validated therapies. Right. I would like to I would like every Christian in the world to be exempt from psychological abuse from the DSM, which is a political document that gets updated every so often. You know, they used to have homosexuality was a um it was a, a psychological disorder. Today it's a disorder if you're not promoting it. So I mean it's a political organization. And I, I'm not I'm not saying anything about, you know that but i'm just saying that their their opinions of it shift so dramatically this is why judges don't take us seriously right because they lean we lean so hard on these psychologists who can't agree between themselves have you oh, have you seen the psychologists attacking each other and they're not educated it's about them not about the patients they take me real seriously so when i get involved it's mike tyson time i can assure you it's going to be a 15 round heavyweight fight. Now, I'm all for mediation, okay? But if you can't mediate, what's the next step? Litigate. And yeah. most of my cases go to litigation, which yeah. is going to be a winner and a loser. Why? Because somebody's accused of something that they say they never did. The most heinous think- thing on, off, uh, on earth, sexually abusing a kid. Hey, sorry, oh. I just started. Oh, I was going to say with what Mark Ludwig is doing with the legislation. Um, maybe that could change some of this. Well, it's one state, Mary. Kentucky just passed presumptive joint custody not long ago, within the last couple of years. So there are states now following California, and you know they say they say in in California the law the law blows east from California. That's partially true. California started no fault divorce in 1969. Uh, yeah. so pretty much all 50 states, right? Um, you know, and uh, I have two cases out there right now. Uh, I don't like California, but I have family there and I have to I have to testify in court there. Um, you know, I, uh, I I was part of the Michael Jackson commentary team back in 2005 when Michael was going through his case uh, in Santa Maria. You know, but look, um, w- w- you know, California was the first state to enact joint, uh, you know, joint physical custody, presumptive joint custody. Uh, I'm not a big fan of shared parenting because in my professional opinion, there's nothing shared about it. Uh, Daddy's going to get Disneyland dad visitation rights for the most part. Okay. You get old school judges who believe in John Bowlby, Dr. John Bowlby. If you don't know, if you don't know who he is, Google it. B-O-W-L-B-Y. Dr. John Bowlby was the creator of mother love theory. So a lot of the judges are of the old school of mother love theory and just automatically, you cussy to mom. Um, you know, so long as mom's not abusive, neglectful, unfit, uh, no issues, all things being equal, mom's going to get custody. Uh, you know, and so we went from the 10 to years doctrine in the 80s to the best interest standard. Well, what is that? Well, that's up to a judge. What is in the child's best interest is really up to a judge. Now, he can get me, though. You think it should be? the way it is no but we don't want to talk about the way it is we want to talk about how to fix it It doesn't matter what i think it's legislative all 50 states 
Well, hopefully the winds blow east from Idaho instead of California in the future, because Idaho came one vote away from eliminating the marriage license this past session, and they are going to pass it next session. And the the trickle down from getting rid of the marriage license could be a dramatic change in the family court. Mark, what is your legislation? Um, yeah, that's some good news with some legislation. Yeah, let me go ahead and give because unfortunately, I do have Levi tonight. So since we're talking about time with kids, I want to spend time with him. Plus, I've got a real busy night. We've got a bunch of legislative stuff going on, uh, which is one avenue. It's not the only avenue, but uh, there's several different things. And that's the beauty of the shared parenting community is we all work together. There's some people that have great expertise, like a dean from a legal expertise, We've got a lot of people that are much better qualified than me to talk about parental alienation uh, from an outreach and awareness perspective. My background comes from legislative. I've got a 40-year background in in the legislative arena, uh, both as a candidate for U.S. Congress, uh, but I'm also, as as a result of of raising millions of dollars for candidates, I've become very well known uh, across the country. And so I had a lot of ins. And I was actually being groomed, actually, to run as the uh, youngest uh, Speaker of the House in the state of Missouri the year that, that my son was born. And uh, ended up putting my whole political career on hold to, to track him down and get access to him. And now I, I believe in my heart that even though I wanted it to be that way, I think Joe will agree with me that there was a bigger purpose that uh, I wasn't ever meant to be a candidate, I don't think. And uh, by Apparently now- not. Yeah, by now I would have thought that I would have been governor of Missouri. That's not an exaggeration. That that was my plan, and mm-hmm. I had it all laid out. And, you may uh, still now, be, Mark. You are awesome, dude. I, that, I Mark, that, I, I love that, love love what you did. You did those fifty states, and then you mm-hmm. got on Huckabee. And man, uh, dude, you could still run. I think that this is an issue that's just percolating. Who knows what happens in the next yeah. decade? Never say no, never. Like I said, I I, uh, I think what my main purpose is, is to use the connections I have to help educate people on how to meet with legislators. Um, I used to see all kinds of people making posts about how they were going to threaten legislators. And, mm-hmm. and I was just horrified at what I was seeing. And so mm-hmm. I started doing these Facebook lives every Monday night. I guess this was eight years ago. I started um, trying to educate people on how to meet with a, a legislator, how to get past the gatekeeper, how to talk in a legislator's the terminology that a legislator is going to resonate with, how to talk differently to Republicans than Democrats, how to educate people on what happens in the dynamics within a chamber when you have a supermajority versus a non-supermajority, when you have term limits versus non-term limits. And uh, it started resonating. I think we're up to over 60 million views now of all my my trainings that I did. And uh, I was very fortunate to team with a lot of people to help get some legislation passed. Uh, definitely, I didn't do it. And I always tell people, I'm I'm leery of of people trying to claim credit for a bill because my goals, I always tell people, the goal should be the legislation needs to be passed for the kids, not for a trophy on your desk. And unfortunately, we get a lot of people. Now, you do need some branding to be able to raise funds and things like that. So there's a crazy balance. Um, But I'm always hesitant to claim that I passed a bill because I didn't pass any bill. I worked with a team of people. I educated people. And there's times where somebody may have played a very insignificant role, but if that role was taken out, that bill wouldn't have passed. Mm-hmm. So you can never say one person, one group passed a bill. There's a whole team of people. But we did get a very solid um, rebuttable presumption with clear and convincing evidence passed in Arkansas. 
uh, two years ago, uh, working with the advocates advocates for um, parental equality in, in Arkansas. And they just did a dynamite job, really proud of them. They're actually from St. Louis, the people who work the main on that bill. Um, but currently, just so people can be updated, we've got two uh, biggies this week, actually. One is South Carolina, and that was the call I took. They're trying to get a hold of me. We may have a hearing tomorrow in South Carolina. I won't be there, but uh, we may have a hearing on the South Carolina bill. We've got 60 co-sponsors now on the House side. Um, I don't know that it's going to pass the Senate yet, but there's a strategy, and the goal is to keep moving the ball forward. So I, I don't know that it'll pass both chambers this year. But the fact that we have 60 co-sponsors sends a huge message if we can move the ball a little forward in the House. Uh, John Gallman's been doing a great job. Missouri tends to be ground zero for legislative activity in the equal shared parenting community. And this finally seems to be the year after eight years of working, we did get a facts findings conclusion bill passed our first year in 2016, which swung the pendulum. Um, but we had a opposition that would threaten to filibuster every year, and she finally term limited out. So every year in Missouri, we file an identical bill in both the House and the Senate. That way we've got options and we can just try and keep moving. And if one, if one passes one chamber, we can just reference that bill when the other bill comes over for a committee hearing. Uh, this year, the Senate bill moved through the Senate uh, faster, which has never happened. We've never passed a bill on the floor of the Senate for a rebuttable presumption of equal shared parenting. And uh, that did finally pass the Senate. It's got two components. Uh, one is the equal shared parenting component. And then it also has that you can't take away people's driver's licenses or professional licenses mm -hmm. without due process for arrearages. Mm -hmm. As many of us know, not to brag, but I think I could get a very high paying corporate position or there's no doubt I could get a job in Washington, D.C. Matter of fact, I, I think some of you know, I, I was in talks of a potential White House position with the Trump administration where they wanted me to go to Washington. And I had to turn it down because my son's here. And uh, whether you like Trump or not, it doesn't matter to have an insider in the White House would have been very beneficial for the legislation. The challenge as a father is my son is in St. Louis. Mm -hmm how much of a position would help, I'm not giving up time with my son. Mm -hmm. And uh, When you work at the White House, it's not a 40, 50, 60 hour a week job, especially with that administration. I have a lot of friends of mine that work in that or worked in that administration. And there were a lot of times you didn't go home on weekends. You were there all weekend long. And uh, if you wanted that position and uh, so I had to pass it down. So I could make a lot of money, I'm, I'm sure. But I don't because the co-parent I have occasionally it lets me, which is a word that still just disgusts me, lets me have extra time. So if she's going out on, when she was going out on dates or something, she would call me at the last minute. I want every minute I can get with that guy. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to pass this up. So I'm an Uber driver and uh, which uh, just doesn't pay very well <laughs> right now. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so according to the system, I'm underreporting my income intentionally so that, you know, I don't have to pay more child support. No, I'm not. I value quality time with my son more than I do a corporate career. But as a result, people get behind, they get their driver's license taken away. Well, how do you get a, how are you going to keep your job if you can't drive to work? So in Missouri this year, we have on the same bill, we actually have two versions of the bill, both passed, one sponsored by a Democrat, one sponsored by a Republican. And I can't reveal the strategy yet. In about three weeks, I can tell you some stuff that will blow your mind that happened behind the scenes. You'll have to try and figure out for yourself. But right now we have two identical bills. 
One is sponsored by a Republican. One is a Democrat. They're identical verbiage that both passed the Senate. Both those bills are going to be heard for a hearing in the House. Uh, just so you know, in the Missouri legislature, last year we passed the House 130 to 19. Uh, a couple of years ago, we passed uh, like 128 to 21. I mean, we always pass the House overwhelmingly. So I can't guarantee things, but it looks like this year we will finally pass in Missouri. I think it's going to pass on the last day. There's some negotiating that we're doing. And uh, I think it's to get the negotiations the way we need on some other bills. I think it's going to happen on the last day of session. Um, so it's going to be a nail biter. It's, it's going to be, if anybody ever has watched Final Four basketball, it's going to be a buzzer beater. Uh, we also have a bill tomorrow for guardian ad litem reform uh, in Missouri. And the other thing is, if we get those passed this year, we've got a whole tidal wave of more. Because the hardest thing is to get the first one passed. Once you do, momentum's on our side. So, what would the guardian ad litem bill do? What are you, what are you asking for? Um, and that one, I'm not as much of an expert. I apologize. I know uh, several things. One is the time frame. In Missouri, there's no restrictions on a guardian ad litem. So a guardian ad litem is appointed, and they could go six months before they meet with any other parent, either parent. And you can't advance the court case because the guardian ad hasn't met with the parents yet. So there's a in the first in the uh, guardian ad litem bill, there's a 30 day requirement that the once the guardian ad litem is required, they are, are appointed. They're required to meet with both parents within 30 days. And uh, so the big key is trying to keep the time frame moved up to keep them moving uh, is, is one of the primary parts of it. it. It's not a fix all that we wanted. It's 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 a very to be honest, it's a very weak bill. Dean, mm -hmm. Dean, wants it's a very weak bill, but at least it's a start on that. Um, I think the other ones are equal shared parenting and the uh, license bill that are really going to get things moving in Missouri. And, and it's going to open the door to a lot of things that we're wanting to get passed in Missouri down the road. I know another one that the uh, matter of fact, it's funny. I, I got a call from the Speaker of the House, who's, who's been a friend of mine. He's spoken at a lot of our conferences that we've had. And uh He's really big on wanting to get the child support ended at 18. Uh, he called me and he says, Mark, I've, I've got two of my friends that are one of them's paying for a liberal, liberal arts degree at an Ivy League college. And uh, for a kid that has basically told the dad that the mom talked to him into going to college so she could get more child support. And here he's forced to pay for college. Well, if a couple is married, a judge can't force you to, to pay for your kid's college. You would tell a kid, look, right. if you want to go to college, you're going to pay I for paid it. for my own. <laughs> But in in Missouri, if you're a in a custody situation, a judge can look you in the eye and say you're going to pay for that kid's college. So uh, hopefully that will end next year. I feel very confident that that is going to end next year in Missouri. Oh, let that let that flow. Point, yes. um, Ohio's making great progress. Uh, I testified there for uh, last year. Um, the McNeeses have done a great job with NPO working there. Uh, they've got 60 co-sponsors in the house. Uh, there's only two people in the entire house that uh, are opposing that bill. Unfortunately, they're the most powerful people in the house. <laughs> um, but I, I think we've got some negotiations where that could potentially move through. I don't think it'll happen this year, but I do think next year Ohio could go. And uh, so we are seeing some progress. Uh, South Dakota, I testified this year. Um, that got uh, we're in the on the Senate side now, which is the hardest piece to get in South Dakota. Um, I think next year is going to be our year. We've got a couple of our, the year after that, um, two of our biggest opponents are not running for reelection. 
And so I think we're going to get rid of them in South Dakota to the opponents on the committee. And that's where it stalls in, in South Dakota. If we get it through committee, we're going to get the floor vote in most states. We will get the floor vote. If it's going to die, it's going to die in committee because the committees normally are made up by, by attorneys and attorneys don't want an equal shared parenting bill to pass. So all in all, like I said, we've made some great progress. A lot of great people across the country, not saying legislation is the only way to fix this as you know, Dean and some of the others know you can get an equal 50, 50, and you're still going to get alienation happening. Mm-hmm. There's a, right. a certain, they're they're going to do whatever they want, but at least it 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 starts something to at least semi make the playing field equal. If you're forced to have equal access to the kids on a regular basis versus where you get every other weekend or even less than that, it's so much easier to alienate a child when you're physically out of their life. So the equal shared parenting is a a start, one step in in fighting the alienation or you know parental alienation. Not yeah, only that, Mark, what it gives you is during that time frame where you're waiting to go to divorce trial, you've got you've got a parent that's going to be, I would guess, in most cases, better behaved than after the divorce trial with the manipulation of the you know handoffs and things like that, because they're preparing to go to court. And that prevents that alienation from happening from the get go you know, before a, a permanent things devised. But I think what I've, what I've run into and most people I've talked to is, you know, the other parent, male or female had total control for a, a big chunk of time before the trial. And that's when it happened. Right. Yeah. So, but that's why, like I said, this is one piece in the puzzle. A big piece is the awareness Because like I said, I was blindsided. I was very fortunate. I was raised by two great parents. I couldn't have asked for better parents and just in a great family. And I was very naive. I was an ideal candidate for a narcissist um, because I was just so naive. I literally had never heard of the term love bombing, projection, Mm -hmm. gaslighting. I had no idea. And to be honest, it was probably two years into my custody battle before I started reading books and realizing because I was just so blindsided. I, the frustration for me was I couldn't articulate and I couldn't put a finger on what was happening. I knew something was happening, but I couldn't identify it. And so that's where from a child, I can't imagine what a child goes through if, if an adult couldn't understand what was going on. So that's why I appreciate people that are better than me at articulating what is parental alienation to be able to help parents that are going through that and kids going through that to be able to to put a first step is just just like with alcoholism. Step number one, I think, in their twelve step program is you know identify the problem. I'm an alcoholic or whatever. Well, step one, you need to be able to identify this is parental alienation. And so many people like myself, I had never been exposed, and and I didn't even realize until later that I had been a part of alienated father number two. I had had no idea. That I had been a part of that. And sadly, I wonder how many other people are out there innocently being the flying monkeys or whatever they're called, helping to alienate kids. So um, unfortunately, I do really need to go. I, I apologize, but I do have Levi tonight. So I want to get time with him because he's the reason I'm doing this. Okay. And we really are working on South Carolina and Missouri. And with three bills going to Missouri and uh, tomorrow, we've got a lot of stuff we got to get figured out tonight still. Well, so Mark, to be honest, I'm not sure that I can add much more anyway. I'm really not an expert on parental alienation. That's, that's okay. Great seeing you, Mark. Well, hey, how, how can people reach you if they have any questions? 
Um, yeah, the I do. I've got the web or the Facebook page is the easiest way. I do the the Facebook page for Americans for Equal Shared Parenting. Um, I've had some health issues the past year, so I'm not on as much um, as I have been. We think we have things under control right now, so I'm starting to get on. The last couple of weeks, I've done a couple of Facebook lives. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to start getting on a little more often. But the easiest way is through the uh, uh, Facebook for the American, and it's spelled out: Americans for Equal Shared Parenting. Or we have the website, which we don't have much on there, to be honest, on, uh, of AFESP.com. But the, the easiest way is on Facebook with Americans for Equal Shared Parenting. Well, thank you for coming on. And I'd like to have you back on to my podcast with all your news oh, yeah. here. <laughs> well, thanks for putting this together. Thanks for all the other uh, uh, people on the panel that are, are much better than me talking about alienation. Oh. <laughs> and, and more importantly, thanks for everybody who's tuning in. I mean, that's the only way we're going to change this is not not the people on the panel, but it's to really get people out there in, in every state. So I'm, I'm just really appreciative of everybody tuning in tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joe, it's great to see you as always. I, I sure appreciate you. Great to see you, buddy. You're the best. Keep <laughs> up the good work. Yeah. God All bless right. you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. And then there were four. And then now there's four of us. And oh. <laughs> Um, my, my friend TJ has sent a couple questions that people had about brainwashing. And one was, what is the best way to undo the brainwashing from parental alienation? And I don't know the answer to that because I'll answer that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay. So when it's childhood, childhood trauma, childhood cannot be erased mm. because it's a brand new brain that is just can't be erased. It could be uh, it, that pain will stay until that person has awareness and wants to, uh, I suppose, wants to live from their truth, mm -hmm. right? Because it's really hard to tell someone you're brainwashed. It's like, I love going around like I've been brainwashed. It's like you're brainwashed. Parts of you are brainwashed. Like the parts of that erase your parent because it's unnatural to hate your parents, right? Unless something really bad, you know, happened. It's very difficult. It's not natural. Mm -mm. So first of all, so it's the awareness of understanding of knowing that you are actually brainwashed that takes acceptance and this is why it's so difficult because one of our first patterns of survival ever is denial right so i know this because the amount of stuff i had to deny to get where i am today is a, was a lot these are patterns so what you wanted what worked for me was knowing that i was brainwashed accepting it. And I also had physical evidence mm -hmm. and I was of an age where I would, I was already raised my son and these patterns and these um, ways that we go about the world because we just figured we just had a shitty childhood. I didn't know I was alienated. So I think accepting the fact that you're brainwashed, that you've been brainwashed helps. You can't rewind. You can't restore that, but you can move on from that. My mom and I make jokes we, you know, we, we laugh now it's, it's, it's sad, but if my journey helps and it is helping, but I, I want it to help 
even more because it's this is just it's a lot. But that's a great question, TJ. I hope that I answered that. But being brainwashed doesn't feel like you're being brainwashed. Is that like kid. is that like grooming? Uh, you know, does that coincide with parental alienation? The grooming and and Every, other yes, other people add to it too, like uh, relatives, other. So what happens? So you know how like. <clears throat> this is the easiest way to explain it when kids minds and bodies are growing by the way i'm a childhood trauma educator so this will help okay our we have our central nervous system so when you think about any time even now if something startles you if you've been in a car accident you ever notice how when you're in that car accident you actually hear the car before you feel it, its impact mm -hmm. so for your kids we it's the grooming it's the environment because the way the brain works is right. We can see, we hear things. So not only are you seeing that your mom or dad or, or some other person saying bad things, but then you also digest all the, the sounds, the sense. So it, it literally, this is why it becomes like complex trauma. Mm. So you're okay. working with the mind and body. So you can't, erase the brainwashing but you could restore your mind and body so that it works from the way it's supposed to not a trauma perspective does that make sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean um dean might know this as well as you know like how much is family court to blame for parental alienation i think they're to blame a lot <laughs> is what i think well if you're asking me you know, did they get it right? Well, obviously not all the time. And probably, you know, if I'm statistically trying to give you a number, maybe, I don't know, 50%. Uh, my cases are the exception of the rule. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I have a pretty good track record, uh, you know, uh, of success in these cases. Uh, with that said, I have a strategy. And the strategy is to intersect the law and the science and the alleged facts. So remember, every police report uh, documents alleged facts. Every CPS report documents alleged facts, okay? Uh, every therapist, clinical session progress note, documents alleged signs, symptoms, behaviors, because this is what the therapist has seen, no disrespect to the therapist, but, you know, uh, he or she could be getting it wrong. Okay, so uh, you'd look at APA Code of Ethic 3.04, first do no harm, right? Every therapist, every physician has to take a note. Do first do not do no harm. Don't pour gasoline on a fire. Well, that's what that ethical code is. APA Code of Ethic 3.04, avoid harm. Do not introduce harm. I see it all the time. How do I know? Well, so you wouldn't treat a kid for cancer with chemotherapy or radiation before a lab or physician He's diagnosed, diagnosed that kid with cancer, right? Well, why are you treating the kid as a victim of sexual abuse before the merits of the allegations have been heard and adjudicated in a court of law? But you are. Okay, that's called confirmation bias or confirmatory bias. You have a preconceived notion the kid was abused based on the fact maybe you talked to the mom, maybe you read a CPS report, uh, maybe you talked to the guidance counselor at school, uh, who reported to CPS. So you develop this belief system, okay? That belief system can metastasize like cancer, okay? Schema therapy is the only remedy here. But most therapists don't even know about it 
let alone are they certified to do it, uh, to, to basically re-alter and re remodify the al already altered memories, okay? So when I get a false allegation of child sexual assault case, uh, I, in a he said, she said what a child said case with no forensic medical proof, which is the usual uh, type of case, only 5% of these cases are going to include uh, medical findings, okay? So one in 20, the other 19 and 20 are hearsay, what is hearsay? Hearsay is an out-of-court statement made for the truth of the matter asserted. Hearsay is generally legally inadmissible. Not so here. This is the exception to the hearsay rule. What is that rule? Rule 803, if you Google it. Okay, this is the exception to the hearsay rule. So if a kid tells a therapist, Daddy touched my pee-pee, mm -hmm. therapist is a mandated reporter. She's going to call it in, right? CPS or the police. That's going to uh, mandate an investigation by the government. Okay. That's going to come into court. The court has factors to determine credibility of allegations. An out-of-court statement made for the truth of the matter asserted. Extrajudicial statement. Those factors are the following. Spontaneity, reliability, and trustworthiness. As an expert who's nationally certified uh, in child forensic interviews, and I learned under Dr. Phil Esplin, uh, E-S-P-L-I-N, Dr. Esplin was the uh, leading expert for Michael Jackson at his trial in 2005. I learned under Dr. Esplin, I worked a lot of cases with him during his tenure. He uh, resigned and retired about six years ago. Uh, Dr. Esplin is the original author of the NICHD. Uh, that's the National Institute for Child and Health and Human Development out of Bethesda, Maryland. That is our evidence-based best practice method for interviewing kids allegedly abused. In other words, uh, Stacy, can you tell me what happened? Tell me about that. Tell me more about that. So you don't put words or thoughts or ideas in the kid's mind. Did daddy touch your pee-pee? That's the wrong question. It's leading. It's suggestive. It's direct. It's asking for a yes or no response. A kid is supposed to provide contextual details of the memory, his or her memory, of the alleged tra traumatic event. Okay? This can be a form of parental alienation. This is the 911 of parental alienation, the false allegation of child sexual abuse, because why? It's the one allegation that's going to raise the eyebrows of the judge. A judge who has to rule in the child's best interest is going to err on the side of caution. He's going to err on the side of caution. She's going to err on the side of caution because they have that one word built into their legislative power as a judge. Discretion. Discretion. All judges have discretion. They're going to use that discretion to protect that kid. So the judge doesn't know whether it's true or false or unsubstantiated or indicated or any other thing you want to call it. The judge has to protect that kid because the judge has no discretion there because the law is the child's best interest. It's not your best interest as the mother. It's not your best interest as the father. It's the child's best interest. That's the law in all 50 states. So the judge is going to rule in the child's best interest by erring on the side of the allegation until proven otherwise. That's how this works, okay? Unfortunately- Or doesn't. What's that? Or doesn't work. Does for me in my cases, but then, you know, I, I have a structured plan of attack when I get involved. I have to. Um, lawyers don't get this stuff in law school. They're not educated or trained to litigate or try these cases in law school. Uh, I have no disrespect for attorneys. I have to work with them 24 7, 365. I operate a caseload of about 30 cases at all times in all 50 states. I have cases going on 
right now in Massachusetts to California, all states in between. I just got done testifying in a criminal case uh, for the first time, criminal case, mind you, by Zoom in Idaho five weeks ago. <clears throat> so Pocatello, Idaho. So the, the, go ahead. The question I have is, okay, so the, the kid is being told, say, say it's a false accusation. I was molested three times. They were not false. I remember everything all before the age of 13. So I understand this. At a, at, at, I understand. Now what you think you know is what you can prove. It's what you can prove in these cases. Right. So, so, okay. Well, I, I can, thank God, I can prove a lot here. But this is, this is important because I would like to know, okay, so say that kid has been told that they've been uh, violated by their father and that's a lot. So how does a child then, um, so what does the court do? You're talking about this place called Skim or this place that is that for kids or or how do they reverse? Are you saying that that lie could be reversed? Well, most cases aren't lies, uh, Lisa. Most well, I meant well, I'm talking about false accusations. Cases are mistakes or what we call in psychology source mis misattribution errors, where the error could have been uh, mistaken identity. Maybe you were molested, but you got the wrong guy. Mistaken identity, okay. Uh, unfortunately for a defendant in a criminal case, that's not admissible because the prosecutor is going to raise rape shield. Prosecutors say, Your Honor, uh, objection, rape shield, move to strike. That's going to be sustained. Okay. So, uh, you know, th there's not a lot of theories or strategies a lawyer can use outside of motive where somebody's been wrongly accused. Most of these, most of these cases are not, are not false accusations, they're wrongful accusations. Okay. It could be the system professional. It could be the sex crime detective. It could be the child protective investigator. It could be the child forensic interviewer. Uh, who, so what happens to the child? What's that? So what happens? So what? what is the best interest of that child? How do they go about and reverse that? Well, well you know, as, um, as, Joe, as Joe said, I believe, you know, these cases are marathons, not sprints, right? So they take a long time to process through the court system. I got... I get one guy still sitting in jail in South Florida. He's been in jail since 2016, mm. uh, almost seven years. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. Now, so, so time, kids don't have time. Their bodies and brains are growing rapidly. And this is when, that's when the stuff sticks also, the most. Kids also don't have the same uh, brain formation as we do as adults. Okay. But they they're still experiencing trauma. Like the more time, like just being, just being, um, talked to by a stranger when your parents are getting a divorce is traumatic in itself sure. so the whole the whole thing is so i'm just usually so for the kids order, usually a judge will order no no communication uh, of the case with the kid the kid is not to see legal documents laying around uh you know the kid is what, uh, yeah is to disparage the other parent that's an anti-epa right. admonishment in every court order you see that now today that's a good that's a good start but let me add one thing to, to what Mark Ludwig is doing uh, on the shared parenting scope and the legislative bills that he is uh, moving forward in, in, in uh, Missouri and South Carolina. So when we talk about parental alienation, of course, this is uh, Parental Alienation Awareness Day uh, across this country, across this planet. Um, one of the things that is missing is the CPS component there. Why is this not a published entity 
uh, to be investigated by CPS in all 50 states. Emotional, mental, psychological child abuse. They have the power to file through their attorney, CPS, a petition for dependency, which could become a petition for TPR, termination of parental rights, uh, in a juvenile court. And I'll tell you, as a guy who's been doing this for 30 to 40 years, juvenile court trumps family court. I'll say it again. Juvenile court trumps family court. How so? What do you mean, how so? Well, you say so. So a family court judge can only suspend your parental rights. A juvenile court judge can terminate your parental rights. Uh Okay, that's the difference. All right. And so um, and, and so it's very important that CPS start recognizing parental alienation as a form of child abuse as a form of psychological child abuse. Why? Well, for one thing, psychological child abuse uh, is in the DSM-5-TR. I think it would be better if we we went to the politicians and said that that CPS should not exist at all. That their entire organization is illegally funded through the federal government. We know about Title IV D&E of the Social Security Act. We know about ASPA, the 1997 Adoption Safe Families Act. We, we know about CAPTA. Back, it'll be 50 years next year for CAPTA, right? 1974, Mondale right. Act, right? Uh, we know about all that. Uh, we, we have to have an, an, an agency that protects children at risk in harm's way and jeopardy. There has to be an agency. The cops aren't going to do it. We don't need a federal agency. The cops aren't going to do it. If we had 50 different agencies... Imagine that ran independently uh, with closer oversight at the local level. There might actually be one of those 50 that did the right thing that was effective in protecting children. If you combine that with true freedom and true uh, parental rights, where parents actually were considered in the equation, the whole interest of the best child nonsense needs to be thrown out there's everything needs to be thrown out it's just that not not working at all and we need to shout that at the the highest hills i I mean i'm at best i think the 50 50 shared parenting bill is equatable to maybe like a heartbeat bill where we're finally recognizing look we're killing people and let's at least stop killing these people right uh but we can't say at any time, we're okay with killing the other people. You know what I mean? We have to say that this, we have to call out all the dogs in the fight. You have an agency in Child Protective Services that's charged by the legislature to protect kids at risk, right? In harm's way, in jeopardy of abuse, of neglect, of abandonment. They are allowing kids to die on one end of the street while conducting witch hunts on the other end of the street. Mm -hmm. Now we're asking them to add to that pot Oh, Mr. Tong wants us to investigate allegations of uh, psychological child abuse, what is known as parental alienation, according to Dr. Richard Gardner in 1983. And now we fast forward 40 years later, and Dr. Bill Burnett uh, has authored the five-factor model, uh, which has basically uh, gone beyond Dr. Gardner's theory. So we have it well-established in science. It's not science. It's it's, it's, psychology is not science. It's, it's not medicine. It's not science. It is It is a philosophy at best, a religion at worst. It's not a hard science like medicine, but it is a soft science. No, it's a it's a it's a philosophy or a, or a religion. It's not a science. There are scientific components to it. 
there are some there's some evidentiary uh, practices that they take part in. But uh, overall, it's a sub it's subjective. It's not objective and it's political. I can tell you, uh, Joe, I've testified over 50 times, over 50 times as an expert in this country. I've testified in 17 different states. All of those times I've testified in the areas of psychology in front mm -hmm. of over 50 judges. So over 50 judges will give you, will tell you, yeah, Mr. Tong has given us expert opinion in psychological science. Yeah. So I know it's not you. a popular thing because people want to feel like they have that somebody knows what's going on. And it's some people want to feel things. They want to feel that there's an answer for this or that that doesn't you know, include God where they might be accountable for their right. wickedness. There's a, there, I think my book is going to really, really help push this stuff in the light, you guys. I'm not kidding. I'm over here going, oh, man, who do I tell first? I got to talk to Joe <laughs> and I got to talk to Dean and holy moly. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, why did I just say, like, I don't need two parents. I need an army here. Here it goes. I'm about to send the copies to both of you guys so you can get this out there. Everything Joe is saying is spot on, and, and what Dean is saying too, I get. And my book proves how psychology, how I struggle. Year, I, I even went to even the Christian counselor who told me that's pure evil, throw it away. To uh, because obviously it wasn't in the DSM. Not that I needed it. What I wanted to know, what I knew deep down, something's going on, and. The kids that I talk to every time we it's like this for you too. Yep. Yep. So a lot of these psychologists are getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. They're right, but they're getting it wrong. It's the mind and body. A lot of and psychologists just like, like you're only trained. You go to school. You all go to school to learn the same thing. This stuff has been around forever and it's all about, and, and it may seem hippie and, all this stuff, but actually it's because it's, it, it doesn't cost any money to learn this. I mean, a little bit, but not everyone has the power to, you know, change and not be stuck to the labels that society and psychology like to label us on. And, and we are not what happened to us. We are in essence a vessel here for a purpose. And I think if anything, anything, what I wanted to know growing up was one, there was not anything wrong with me. Two, both my parents loved me. And if they could go back, they would in a second. My The evidence was so, it's so powerful. Both my parents came together. If they could go back, they would. Meaning uh, maybe some of these parents, because they're still in that fight and when you're in a fight, the brain will automatically keep doing. Your brain is set onto what you focus on. Nobody knows what a child is feeling internally, not psychologists, nobody but between that child and a higher power. That I do know. That I do know. So I just I just think that there's a little bit of, of, of right here and there's a lot of right over here too. It's not that it doesn't have to be one is right or the other. But what needs to happen is the kids need to be okay to find out, hey, really, I was alienated because it's very scary when you go online and you read how effed up it is. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's terrible. It's mm -hmm. the worst thing. Really, it truly is. However, 
it is good yep. for the kids to know, wait a minute, if somebody yep. would have came up to me and said, you know what, that happened to me, you're yep. going to be okay. Because otherwise you take a kid that is in the middle of their growth spurt, they're 12, 13, whatever age it is, and you start telling them that there's something wrong with them, that becomes their belief system on mm. top of the lies. And the divorce is one thing, but we don't talk about why. Why does divorce hurt? Why are step parents in the on the, you know, what is that test that we all take? Adverse child experiences. Mm. Why is divorce and step parents? Why are those two major things on the adverse child, you know, experiences, but yet allowed in plain sight? And we're all just sitting there playing, playing this, you know, trying to figure out how we can save our kids and be good parents and and pay our bills and not have to like turn down good jobs so that it, it, it's crazy. And it's it's so sad to see parents will will give up anything because yeah, what parent wouldn't fight for their kids? Mm -hmm. So I think really it's about educating everyone going forward. And I really hope that you know my book starts that because it's not okay to continue to have all this information and continue to make the same mistakes mm -hmm. generation after generation. I think <laughs> Lisa, I think uh I, I love what you said, and I hope your book gets in the hands of some legislators and some uh, jurors and and pastors, quite frankly. I mean, people in the in the general public just don't realize the devastation that is being caused because we don't take these problems seriously. And uh, parental alienation is, you know, it's it's absolutely close to my heart and it's horrific and horrible. But um, until we start realizing the evil that we're causing by allowing people to violate their covenant oaths of marriage until we realize the devastation that that has in which includes parental alienation but is not limited to it at all i mean right. there's all sorts of other destruction that's happening as well until we force people to commit that go into a covenant relationship that that they they commit forever and then they violate that they need to be they need to be punished you know and they're and and that's the best thing for a child the best interest of a child is always 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 two loving parents and that never happens and it, it is so what are you saying, Joe? Elevate this to a crime? Components of it. So the dad, listen to this. I'm not sure that I would say that um, the contract itself should be elevated to a crime, but the damages that the courts do are often greater than the penalties given to criminals. Yet we have no jury. So the actually the judiciary process needs to be the same as a crime because the penalties are are greater than a crime you losing your child versus you know a three to five sentence in in jail what's worse you know texas losing your attachment texas. to your parents that's unforgivable do you know texas, what uh, kids don't know that yet they you don't know as a kid what it feels like you don't know the damage because you, you don't have that experience but once you do you know, oh, no, no, they are messing with the family attachment system. That is not meant. That was never meant to be messed with. And that's a horrible. And, and it, believe me, I tried to, like, put a Band-Aid over that falsehood, too. But at the end of the day, you strip the layers 
guess who I crave and cry for at night? Not a man. My mom and dad. So in Texas, in Texas, uh, you can get a jury. You can have a jury in a family court custody case. That's the uh, only state that I'm aware of where you can actually ask for a jury trial. I believe that's true. So yep. now, now would, I, would I like to see that in all 50 states? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I, I would agree with you there. Yep. That, that's part of it. That's part of it. That would definitely be a good start. Uh, I've talked to some Texas guys and they tell me about some other problems they have um, that the jury doesn't solve for. But it certainly, you know, I, I, I am advocating for that. give you several more, several more humans, right, to decide on the fate of your family. It's got to help. One person. Yeah, one person. Well, I think one of the things that it would help with is I think a lot of times the psychological uh, evaluator, which in a lot of cases, you're only allowed one psychological evaluator. Um, it, it, but you can always get a second opinion. No, you can't always. Yeah, you, you can't. can't. Not always. I don't. Like it's like the case I, where you could. I've been doing this for 30 years, man. Back to 95. A long, long time. Wow. All, all my clients go through my clinical forensic psychologist. That's not optional. Right. That's required. Yeah. Do you think my doctor sits there? No, he testifies. Yeah. Finds wow. his opinions. So yeah. he's usually competing against the other expert. So uh, yes, you're entitled to a second opinion. Absolutely. You're not always. In fact, hey, I wasn't. Let me finish. I'll tell you that fact. That's flat out. It was my know, case. I don't, know, I don't know about your case. I wasn't hired. I didn't see the documents. In California, under, under California... Family Code 730, uh, it's called a 730 evaluation. That is the child custody evaluation for California. You're entitled in the California Family Code 733 to a second opinion expert of that 730. Absolutely. But, but as you keep saying, you have one judge, and the judge gets to make a call if that's if that's right. Your only your only process to go back, I'll tell you, in New, in New Jersey, is to go back through an appeals process. When I get a call, it's usually a battle of the experts. It's usually going to be a battle of the experts. I, I, you know, the case goes to another level. Yeah. Well, so, no, I mean, hey, I would have loved to have you in my corner. You would have done a great job, and maybe I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at. But the problem is we only have one Dean Tong, and we've got millions of kids being being destroyed. And we've got millions of families being destroyed. And we've got divorces on a rampage. And there's people that are glad about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have we have evil that is promoting the end of marriage and the end of families. And they have been for over 100 years. So we've had a long standing problem and we what need about, to shout this out. What about changing from no fault divorce in 1969 to a fault based divorce? That would be great. I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's and that's what and, and in order to do that. Uh, you know, I, I I think, you know, changing, getting rid of the marriage license, which is a unilateral contract between you and the government, not a not a covenant between you and your spouse would be a great way to 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 get that done. Um, but, yeah, if we could just get legislation to get rid of that no fault contract, that would be wonderful. Oh. I mean, it's uh, a lot of times I've heard that it's the fem uh, feminist organizations that are pushing against that. They say that that would encourage they, you know, they, uh, domestic they, abuse, you know. Did a study since COVID hit three years ago, and they found that the numbers of marriages have decreased, uh, uh, you know, significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's political bodies that are all for that. There's political organizations that are all for that. So we got to shout out loud. We got to get people who we think that would be on our side, like in Arkansas. Arkan, by the way, Lisa, if you ever do want to get married again, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana. <laughs> Or Arizona are the three states 
do you want to go to? You can't even date. I, I'm like, so like writing a book is like having a baby. No, I'm not, again. <laughs> Y'all be the officiant, Lisa. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I just need my dog right now. I'm, I'm okay. I, I, I'm too. Uh, I, I didn't bring that up to pick on you, but just to let Dean know, there actually are three states where you where they have negated no fault divorce. Uh, one of them's yeah, I, one of them's Louisiana, where I got married. You can see my Louisiana hat right up there. <laughs> um, my wife got that for me on our on our wedding day. And you can uh, you can they have literally negated no fault divorce with these covenant marriage licenses. The problem is, as you all know. The state where you live is where you get divorced, not where you got married. So that it doesn't transfer, which right. is I'm in California. Yeah. Well, good I'm luck married, in California. You might yeah, as well. I was married for over 21 years. Okay. Um, and uh unfortunately, you know, stuff happens and uh I, I'm grateful of that yeah. uh, you know, it just it just unfolded the way it did. It sucked, but uh yeah kind of things just ripped away but yeah i don't have any um desire yet to get remarried yeah well why would you why would you the pain and suffering my, that the family courts already... impose upon people with their whole process is ridiculous yeah We're, you know being in I... this pa world in the last two years while going through divorce yeah has um kept yeah. me away from match.com and all <laughs> the royalties for your book for yourself yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm gonna. Yeah, I just, oh God, if there's a really good man out there that is, you know, solid, you know, but I don't need a, a marriage license anymore. I, I, I'm not gonna have any more kids. No, I actually, you know, thankfully there are lots of pastors around the country that will not marry you with a license. If you bring a license to them, they'd rather go to jail than to. Uh, add a license to your marriage to your wedding because... i think it's, i should be because my last name good pastor so i don't know maybe i should be pastor you should marry a pastor absolutely yeah. <laughs> a, oh, good pastor. a good pastor a good pastor a good pastor i thought i did and uh, i just kept the name he's fine uh, yeah, There's tough. no good solution without christ our whole country is founded on biblical principles we had incredibly great laws when we had an educated populace now we've got dumbed down uh populace who've all been through public school which teaches you to hate god he doesn't even exist right so that's this, this is the bottom this is the bottom line so did i catholic school and then i and then the alienator and all that other stuff happened and then i went to like real ghetto school and then i was alien while being alienated it was a hell of poor kids I, I feel for them, but I know I can get them to, I feel like I'm the bridge between the, the parent and the kids. So if you have clients that like are stuck that, you know, like help me, I feel like I'm the one that I can go in and like, it's going to be okay. Like this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Their nervous system is going to get really agitated quick. And, and it, cause I had to go through this with my own parents. You get, you, you it helps to have someone there that, knows what you're going through at and you know at every age i mean from 7 to 13 is when i spent more time with an alienator that's that's a lot of sustained trauma no i never felt like my brain shrunk but sometimes i wonder holy you know sometimes i will wonder like oh my god how in the hell and as kids we endure it 
but like our generation, we, we were last few kids. We were told we were doomed anyway. So I just normalized. It isn't anything but normal. And I, I bring that. And I'm very upfront about that. Well, you know, the Bible says that we comfort others with the um, comfort that God gave us. And I believe you're going to do that with your book, without a doubt. And I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Good Lord, it's been like, I know everyone is so passionate and I am a very joyful kid, person, adult, and I just want to be able to um, actually see it happen, you know? Yep. Well, I have a question that ties into that from TJ. What can we do to help our children heal from parental alienation or how, how long will that take? We don't know. Right. Um, because it's like when you talk to them about it, they automatically like turn off, like, cause it's a trigger. It's like, uh Oh, you're talking about my mom or my dad and automatically the nervous system just tells the brain, yep, you gotta like defend yourself against your own parent. So once kids are ready to accept this and they can understand, you know, how this actually works, because the body remembers everything. And I think that was what is the gift is that once you know, because as kids, like you got a 16 year old, they just want to live their life. They want to go have fun. They don't want to be inundated with more divorce stuff. And that's what it feels like to the kids is this is just messy divorce. And I want out because they don't understand. They don't understand like, Hey, you know, Mom is right. You got to do your homework. You need to be at school on time. Parents have to be also on the same level. And when they're not, it's just like a, a disaster. So the best, sometimes parents aren't the ones that can really help their kids. But mm. They can um, encourage them and they can uh, own their own uh, issues, whether, you know, and a lot of people say, I didn't do anything wrong. It's like, I'm a parent. He's 30. I clearly did some things wrong. <laughs> it's 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 when you don't own those things. So for kids, they they kind of tend to um sometimes it's not it's alienation and it's the way that that parent is behaving. And divorce sucks. So the more <laughs> compassion you can show, because kids are compassionate, they do they, they're not necessarily acting like the bad narcissist that we all hear about that psychologists say, no, they're acting out of fear because it has been placed in their mind and body and our mind and body work together. All psychologists and, and people, they know this. They, they know what goes on in the mind also goes on the in the body. They just, for some reason, don't talk about it in court, but that's, that's the truth. I think I think you're right. I think some of the, some of what you just said there about like the narcissist labels and things like that, children are definitely going to repel from that. Uh, I can't. I have no experience of my own with um, um, seeing a, a child that's come through on the other side. I I've met a couple. You will but. never, and and I, I don't want to say never, but if you're a parent that is so intent on proving that your relationship with that, with your child, your alienated child is dependent on that child um, accepting that their parent is mentally ill, that still hurts the child. That's kind of like alienation. Let's like covert. 1000%. That's why I don't even, so I, when you to give me a label like narcissism, I say to myself, yes. you know, that's just a euphemism Selfish. for sin. Yes. 
It's yes. a euphemism for sin. It's a, it's a word that we create to make something sound more medical sounding than it really is. Yes. Uh, it's a bunch of behaviors that the person chose to, if, if it's a, a, a series of behaviors and it's a habit, Pattern. Yeah. but, uh, but that doesn't mean that that person is stuck in that. And here's what, here's what your, your quote unquote narcissistic spouse needs. If you're calling them that they need you and, and your child needs, they need to see you and hear you forgive them. Right. So regardless of what they've done, uh, they need to be forgiven. Now, forgiveness should not be confused with reconciliation. There's certain right. things that can never be reconciled. There's some right. things that you can never get back. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't forgive. I, if I go any deeper, I'm going to go into a sermon and I'm going to drive oh, you guys nuts. So I'll let that go. No, but, but you're very, but, it, but he's very spot on. As a kid that was alienated for 40 years, who finally had to corral my own parents and go, I told you it wasn't me, damn it. This, this is like, because they didn't want to take, you know, accountability. They didn't want to see that, you know, they were always still blaming each other. And now guess what? They don't. They're like, you know, they... That's wonderful. That is great. I, I mean, yeah, and 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 look at you. You're the result. Let me add one. Hey, I mean, let me add one thing, Marianne, to TJ's question. Um, so, for those of you who've been falsely accused of abuse, and that has perpetuated mm -hmm. the alienation process, which are scores of you out there mm -hmm. on and off of Facebook. Okay, uh, there is a model called the Family Bridges model. Okay, Family Bridges. For those of you who've never heard of that was published some time ago. Dr. Richard Warshak was an associate of mine. His uh, book, which was published 15 years ago in 08, Divorce Poison. He has a website by the same title, divorcepoison.com. Uh, Co-authored this model with Dr. Randy Rand from California. This model basically says, if you prove the allegations are false in court, uh, you know, the judge makes a finding of fact conclusion of law the allegations are unsubstantiated or false, uh, or you've been worse, uh, arrested, prosecuted, uh, but acquitted, or the state drops charges, what's called null prosecute or null pros, then family bridges can apply uh, to your children uh, and to the alienating parent. The lawyer has to ask for that, okay, and has to glean whether there's an expert in your state who has uh, basically participated in this family bridges model. And what it does is the following. It rests custody from the alienator to the targeted parent. Targeted parent gets immediate custody. Okay, sole physical legal custody. The alienator is extricated from the family dynamic and basically has no contact with the kids for 90 days. 90 days, no contact. No Zoom, no FaceTime, no personal communication over the phone or personal uh, visitation or anything, supervised or otherwise. Uh, and during that 90 days, the child is in therapy, uh, preferably schema therapy to change the and alter the memories of that false belief system that the kid had globbed onto. Uh, and the alienator has to successfully complete a uh, therapy regimen with her own or his own therapist. Okay. And that therapist reports back to the court if the alienator has successfully completed the program. And then, and only then, will the court consider reunification uh, of the alienator with the child or children. That would be in a supervised capacity. So this is called the family bridges model. If you type in family bridges at Dr. Warshak's website, divorcepoison.com, you'll, you'll bring it up. 
you can read about it. You read about it on Google. Uh, it's a good program. Uh, we, we, used, we used it in the case of mine in Tennessee. Dr. Warshak was the first doctor to tell me to write my book. I had reached out to him trying to figure out what the hell, you know, was going, what, what happened to me. But uh, to your point with my only could like, if I, I put myself in that predicament where if I had to be separated from my dad, because I was so, I had an, you know, an unhealthy attachment to my dad, obviously, because I was alienated by my stepmom and I protected him. That would have been extra traumatic to be removed from what it would have been. Jesus, this is hard. I don't know what I don't, I've never participated in that type of therapy you were talking about where you remove, I can understand removing the alienator, but that just seems like it would have been like trauma on trauma. I don't like, I don't know, unless it was done like, it, well, part of I just the don't know if that would have worked on, especially me. I mean, I was severe, like, I was told I was going to kill my mom. It is sick stuff. What I went with is uh, really bad. Part of the therapy for the alienator, this family bridges model, is the alienator has to admit in therapy he oh, okay. is wrongly or falsely accused Good. Of, okay. of abuse. Good. Okay. Got it. So, that, know, that, okay. Uh, That's good. Yeah. There are malicious allegations of child abuse or domestic violence where you're trying to get an advantage, right? In a divorce or custody, right. doing this with motive, means, method, opportunity to extricate the other parent from the equation, right? That's okay. Uh, yeah. In my book, a father to me or parent to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are also uh, protective parents who make uh, unsubstantiated allegations uh, who actually believe their kid was abused, but they're not doing this maliciously. They actually believe in the heart of hearts, the kid's been abused. Uh, they may suffer from what's called Z62.1 in the ICD-1011, uh, which is overprotective parent disorder. Okay, this could be your helicopter parent, one who is hovering over their kid, suffocating that kid, so the kid cannot attach to the targeted parent, loses all emotional attachment with that person, while that kid is gaining 100% enmeshment with the alienating parent, okay? So again, there's a, there's a hyper alignment with, of, of the kid with the alienating parent. Dean, Dean, that is a subjective yeah. standard. There's nothing objectively true about a level of overprotectiveness. You can also go through history and say, oh, well, you know, nobody did it in the 70s or 80s. We did this. Go. It's a published diagnosis. We have it. We have a it's natural published. biological need to connect. That is our nature to connect to a parent. So I was severely alienated from my mom. Severely. I'm talking. I mean, like the worst. I'm telling you. I don't understand how you could say that we lose our attachment because. That's why my reactions were so loud because something happened. I couldn't explain that I lost my attachment to my mom or part, part uh, my attachment to my dad. So I, I do of kind of problem, go with Joe here. Problem, I'm just being. Part of the problem, Lisa, is a lack of ambivalence, a lack of ambivalence where the alienator and the kid lose alternative hypotheses. There's no other reason for what's going on here except that the kid's being abused. They're not considering other possible Reasons like suggestibility, false memories, you got the wrong guy, uh, you know, uh, it could be a thousand things, okay? Right. Ar okay. Ar 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 wrote the book, Kids Say the Darndest Things. 
Deuteronomy okay, and then, 19 and then, and then says two or three witnesses. That's what the Fourth Amendment's based on. Right? And then you... process. Oh, so in, in court, which of course my living is in court, okay, I'm a trial guy. All my cases yeah. wind up in a Mike Tyson 15-round heavyweight knockout trial where there's going to be a winner and a loser. That's that's what I do, okay? We have laws. We have case law that governs science in court. The law is Daubert or Fry. Okay, you're either a Daubert state or you're a Fry state. A Fry means that the theory of science that the expert is testifying in has, be, has been generally accepted by the entire psychological scientific community. Daubert goes right. beyond Fry to say, Oxymoron. wait a minute. It goes beyond Fry to say that science has to be peer reviewed. It has to be published. It has to have a known error rate. It has to be scientifically reliable. And it has to be generally accepted by the entire psychological scientific community. So Daubert is much more strict than Fry. My state of Florida is Daubert. Okay, most states are Daubert now. Okay. Well, for so kids... overprotectiveness <laughs> becomes an objective standard. How? I, By I, peer I, review, I, 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 we I, all I, agree. We take a vote. That's objective. The published DSM diagnosis. The DSM changes like my underwear. It's it it's different all the time. It's not. It's up to a judge. The judge decides. It's Rule Seven Hundred Four. If you want to Google it, it's Rule Seven Hundred Four. That is the ultimate issue at bar. Was the kid abused? Was the woman abused? Okay. So mommy took out a domestic violence order or order for protection against daddy because she has she she has a statement of fear, threatened bodily harm. Because maybe daddy went to Iraq or Afghanistan. He's nefarious because he carries weapons. He shot other people. He killed other people in another country. So he must be domestically abusive. Well, again, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. So if you don't have any proof he hit you, uh, slapped you, bit you, kicked you, spit at you, whatever, then again, it's a he said, she said. Well, then there's a cop, show, cop showing up. Who's going to get arrested? Probably the six foot five guy looks like Chris Hemsworth. Uh, who's built like you know what Schwarzenegger, and he's going to jail while while mummy goes to get her domestic violence order. That starts the parental alienation process in action right there. Okay, because that belief system is going to spread to the kid. Hey, daddy's a loser. He's a wife beater. He's a child abuser. He's this and that. And now we're going to go to court. And now a judge is going to decide. Maybe a jury is going to decide if dad got arrested. Okay, that's a criminal case. As I say in chapter 14 of my book, you could be in the three-ring circus. I call it the three-ring circus. Juvenile, family, and criminal court all at the same time. Good luck in finding an attorney who can litigate in all three venues at the same time. Who's Dean, what's the name of your book? I do want to read it. What's it called again? Elusive, Elusive Innocence, Survival Guide for the Falsely Accused. Right, uh, 2002 Huntington House, which uh, is long history. I think they went bankrupt a long time ago. So I don't have Lisa's publisher, Simon Schuster, uh, you know, and I used to have a literary agent back in my day uh, when I was still writing. I'm about to publish this thing through AI overnight. It's going to be crazy. My agent worked for the Harvey Klinger Agency in New York City. Hmm. Uh, but, but remember now, I have the same initials as Donald Trump. So I'm on the unpopular side of this fence. When I come into a case, there's a target on my head. Why? Because oh. I'm representing the person uh, who's unpopular. Either mom was falsely accused of coaching her kid, 
to accuse the dad of incest or the dad who was falsely accused of incest. That's who I'm representing as an expert. So I come in unpopular, politically incorrect. Oh, yeah, that's the other Donald Trump. He just has a different name. Yeah. Uh, he has an oriental last name, but he doesn't look Chinese. My initials are that they're after all the appliances, like life is good. So LG. So that's that's really why I can't have, the last you name. Have him on the, you have him on the program here. Joe Gormley, good pastor. I, I didn't think that was a Chinese name. I thought it, I thought you owned a bikini. Uh, oh, oh, thong. It's thong. Oh, no. no, there's no H in there, Joe. <laughs> Well, my last name is Petrie, like Petri dish. So, like, I analyze all this I, stuff. I used to all. work in microbiology. <laughs> well, I appreciate everything all you guys are doing. Dean, I appreciate your hard work. I don't agree with certain things, but I I do appreciate your loving people and, and taking care of them and getting getting uh, innocent people off. So, that's great. Yeah. Dean, yeah, it was a pleasure. At least I can't read to wait to read your book. That'd be awesome. Yeah, likewise, you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dean and Joseph, for uh, showing me how real men can argue, or not argue, but like have differences, no, but still be gentlemen. <laughs> you so know that, what? Yeah. You know what it is? We 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 want to make good arguments, but we never want to quarrel. I, and I never have any good sayings of my own. I'm always quoting somebody else. The guy that said that uh, was... Um, uh, shoot Texas name. Oh, uh, David Bonson. No, Greg Bonson, Greg Bonson, B-A-H-N-S-E-N. -E he's an apology. He's a, a master of apologetics and a, um, and oh, he's passed away, but he's brilliant. Dead guys wow. never let you down, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. and Mary, Mary Ann. And thank you. You have like an awesome podcast. Oh, thank you. We got to talk about, I wanted to talk to Mark about getting some sort of step parent, uh, legislation thing yes please so, so, something something's going on yes please <laughs> something, something's going on yeah but yeah oh well well hey lisa how can people reach you if they have any questions uh they can find me at the stephoodproject.org uh, facebook instagram and tiktok if they want to laugh step stephoodproject.org uh, 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 okay. uh facebook and instagram uh, TikTok, I will say, he's the good past. Oh yeah, I love. And my book is talks. called, and my book is called Alienated: When Parents Won't Parent, and it's looking like uh, early June 2023. So coming up, or it could be next week. I mean, let's oh. <laughs> <laughs> just post it on Amazon and call it no, a that's day. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad to have <laughs> you on. I'm so glad to have all of you on, and um. Joe, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Uh, hope at savingfatherhood.org. My website is down. It has been since August and will be for the foreseeable future. Um, but uh, I am uh, still uh, working with people periodically with uh, defibrillator marriage counseling. That just means that you don't want to get divorced. And I'd love to intercede if I could mm -hmm. uh, before getting you to a real marriage counselor after me, because <laughs> that's what you need. But I do, but I, but I, but I'm always looking to help anybody if, uh, if um, they want to reach out to me. Okay. Well, thank you. And last but not least, Dean Tong, how can anyone reach you if they have any questions? 
shouldn't be hard, uh, Marianne. Uh, <laughs> my website is www.abuse-excuse.com. It's been on the internet since 1997. Uh, there's a consult form over there, accused questionnaire form. So anybody who fills out that form, I do give them a free response. Uh, no charge for that. I try to give them some guidance in their case. Uh, Facebook, I do provide a pro bono service. Uh, for anybody who connects with me over there on Messenger or or, or leaves a post on one of my posts, um, I, I do provide a service over there uh, for free. And then for those in actual cases, if you are litigating in juvenile or criminal court and you can't afford, cannot afford the services of an expert, um, for me, I've worked uh, cases in a dozen states where judges will approve my services because you have a right to due process. The accused, that right not only includes counsel, but experts. Okay, so that's juvenile court if you're facing termination of parental rights uh, or criminal court if you're facing lo a loss of your freedom, sex offender registry, uh, or, of course, felony conviction. Dean, I might have to put you on my website. <laughs> I get a lot of people that come to me and ask me, court stuff and I'm like ah, it's yeah. a different department my book elusive uh, innocence uh, uh, folks can can find that on Amazon it's been up there for a long time in Amazon okay well thank you all so very mm -hmm. much <laughs> I know it's been a couple, a couple hours but hey uh, don't jump off slam the gavels of podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms i'm your host marianne petri author of dismantling family court corruption why taking the kids was not enough and cry out for justice poems of truth and third book will be coming out possibly in june along with lisa's raised by these wolves join us again with these lovely guests and other guests in the future thank you so very much